Good evening, everyone. Happy 2021. I am so excited to be with you tonight on January 4th, 2021. And I've been saying this over and over again, 2021, it's time to have some fun. So we are definitely going to start the year off right with part two from last year with our wonderful guest, Mike Zapola. So welcome, Mike. Welcome to this wonderful show on manifesting. And I'm so excited to have you. You're definitely someone who have often enjoyed manifesting magic with. So welcome to the show tonight. Thank you so much for saying yes, as you always do to me. I don't know. I don't want to push the envelope too far, but I am so grateful that you did. Um, I do want to say this is Manifesting with Meg. 2021 conversations with extraordinary people this is a show about life transformation living your dreams spiritual inspiration finding true happiness and my favorite discovering bliss and this is january carpe diem seize the day and like i said welcome mike spatola to join me tonight thank you and how are you doing Meg, I'm, I, I couldn't be any better. Um, we successfully weathered uh, an unrelenting 2020. Yes. Uh, so happy new year to you and, and your family. Thank you so uh, much. Happy new year. Thank, thanks for having me. Uh, it's exciting and a pleasure to be visiting with you again and your audience. Thank you. And you know, um, you know, over the last year, I've enjoyed many of your inspirational quotes, sections, insights. So I can't wait to bring that into the forum and share that with my audience tonight. Um, remember everyone, this show is about bliss and it's not just an abstract idea. It's an attainable state of being wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you find yourself, you're just steps away from living the life you desire. Are you ready to wake up and open up to the universe filled with possibility? So Mike, let's remember before we begin, since the book, uh, Magical Guide to Bliss, is what guides my way. Um, I ask you to set your intention tonight. Um, I do want to share my intention with everyone of uh, gratitude, uh, overwhelming gratitude and an abundance of life and love for everyone coming alive to our dreams is really truly what I want to start off with this year so we can catapult into something amazing. Despite the ups and downs, uh, we all will push on together and I love the collaboration. So as well, I ask you to set your intention and pick a number between three and 397 in the book. And we'll get to that at the end of the show. So without oh. further ado, without my, laces, my laces are tight and I'm ready to go. I love that your laces are tight. Of course they are. I mean, you would not be the amazing coach that you are if your laces were anything but tight. Um, so I will say this, uh, Mike is a lifelong teacher a coach and advisor to many people, even outside the classroom, he takes his gifts and, you know, many years, 40 plus years in the actual school setting at many notable preparatory schools, you know, leaving a wake of very inspired students, as well as his colleagues and teachers, influencing them to rise above, go higher than they could possibly imagine. I was a beneficiary of being in one of his classrooms. I always wonder back in the day if he ever possibly thought or could imagine that, you know, if I got focused enough, right? But I am so beyond gr grateful 
for your impact on my life and that I get to share you and your incredible zest for life with everyone else tonight. So I, I, I would go on and on, but I do want you to introduce yourself and give us your take. It's been an interesting year, needless to say. And I know that for all of us, we want to hear where you're coming from and how you're doing. Do, doing great. Um, how many years now retired? Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, miss, I miss the classroom. I miss the personal contact with the students, the athletes, my colleagues. Uh, try to still get up fairly early in the morning and get myself <laughs> ready for the day, but um, don't want to create bad habits. Uh, certainly, like for many, maybe less so for me because I am retired. So it's made it a little bit easier um, on me and, and on my immediate family. Um, but this has been obviously a very, very trying and tough year. Uh, it, it's really tested our intestinal fortitude. A, a, a lot of our character traits have been put on notice, on guard. And it, so I, I'm, I'm doing fine. I've stayed healthy. I, I try to be as careful as the, the next person, maybe more so. Um, Pam's doing great. Family's doing well, thank God. Um, so all is well with us and with me specifically. Um, but I, I know that it's been a very, very difficult, challenging year for, for so many families. And I, my heart aches for those that have um, lost loved ones. Um, certainly I feel a, a real appreciation and kinship for all of my former colleagues at all of my schools who are really pounding the pavement to, to make this work for our future generations. So, so we do it. We're good. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting right now, but I'm still standing and the Lord has blessed me with, with a great family, great friends, and I'm with you. What could be better? You know, I, I do want to say something because I did tell you when I was going to have you on the show when we initially spoke that this year we're dedicating the show to this beautiful, beautiful woman. And I would love for you to introduce us all to your beautiful mother, Patricia Mary Dugan, married Spatola. And then also um, after your dad tragically died in an auto accident when you were just nine months old, which I didn't know that, my God, she remarried uh, when you were 15 and then she became a Herbert. So I did want to start the show with this beautiful woman because you know how important mothers are to me so i wanted to right out of the box honor her because these are those people who start us out on our path on our journey perhaps on our journey to bliss perhaps you know to help us gain the fortitude to overcome obstacles tell me a little bit about this beautiful woman uh well i appreciate that as a matter of fact um uh, that was one of the, the, the difficult situations that we confronted or had to confront during this year period of time. Uh, my mom passed away October 14th of this year. Um, and we made a quick trek to Orlando, Florida for the wake and the funeral. Um, and then a quick exit out because of the pandemic and going from one state to another. Uh, but in any event, um, so it, in a way, this is cathartic for me that, that you would allow me the opportunity to, to speak about about her. Um, there are a few things I'd, I'd love to share 
with you in the audience about her. Um, because so much of what she was is probably reflected in me. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it's, I've grown to appreciate that more and more the older that I've gotten. But there, there are a few things I'd like to share. So permit me to, to share some of her background. Um, when she was 19 or 20 years of age, she uh, was engaged to a young man who was in the United States Army. Um, the young man was deployed to Korea, where he subsequently, uh, on behalf of the United States and the United Nations forces in the Korean War, lost his life. So here's this 19, 20 year old young lady, girl, who has lost her fiance. And, um, and so what, what happened was um, she became very reclusive. Um, thankfully, she had three uh, siblings, two older sisters and an older brother, and uh, a, a mom who deeply cared about her and her well-being. But she became reclusive and, um, and, and really insulated herself from, it was a tragedy. And at that young age, I can't even I can't even begin to imagine. So in any event, so that occurred, and fortunately, she had a great network of of neighborhood friends. And your mom and dad can appreciate. I guess most city areas, urban areas, particularly back in the 30s, maybe 20s, 30s, 40s, there was a real connection within the neighborhood among families and um, among the youngsters there. Hmm. Mainly grew up together, and they, they were very cliquish. Um, so, with a, a, a great network of friends, they enticed her to get out after, I, I want to say, what, what I had heard was anywhere from three to four or five months, she just would not do anything. Wow. She was so depressed and, and disillusioned. And uh, so, anyway, so they, they enticed her to come out and whatever it is they did back in that period of time or in that Queens neighborhood, she met through my uncle, Jimmy Spatola. She met John Spatola, my father. Um, And so they quickly got engaged, married. Um, I don't think she was on the rebound because she clearly (laughs) had a little bit of space and they gave her more in the loss of of her first fiance. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force. Okay. Uh, there, there are stories behind that, but because he was truant all the time and really he <laughs> had no interest in, in going to school and or Catholic education on Saturdays and such. So he joined the Air Force probably, which would save his life. Well, um, I was born uh, and nine and a half to 10 months in, uh, we were in a, uh, an automobile accident. Uh, a drunk driver ran a stop sign. Wow. into our car. Subsequently, um, my dad was, of course, back in that period of time, Meg, no seatbelts, no infant car seats. Uh, so my dad was thrown from the car and sustained serious head injuries. Uh, I want to say that was on January 8th of 1955. And um, 
and he passed uh, January 12th, so several days wow. he in the hospital. Um, I was also thrown from the car, and by the grace of God, I landed on my father. Oh, wow. <laughs> which saved my life. I landed on, he was, he was a fairly big man, and um, so not to make light of a tragedy, but was wide enough and, and big and cushiony enough that when I landed, I was able to sort of just roll off wow. with, with no injuries. Uh, my mom survived the crash, uh, but my mom at that point was pregnant oh. with what turned out to be, um, now the baby died in the accident. So the baby was born, uh, a girl, um, they actually had a name planned for her. Her name was Elaine. Here's the, here's the point. Um, in a very, very young life, she has confronted two losses, tragic losses. Wow. And she adored and loved. Um, and now at a very, very young age, she's stuck with little old Michael, John, <laughs> and, and needing to play what she felt at the time was, uh, so she's what, 23, 24, approaching oh, yeah. the role of a mom and a dad. Um, and so in any event, the, these tragedies, I think, uh, steeled her, uh, gave her an inner fortitude and strength. Um, and, and in terms of the, the role that she had to play um, by herself, because uh, in our 15 years together as a team of two, um, she oftentimes had two to three jobs that she worked. I was a latchkey child long before the notion of latchkey came came known or pop, was popularized. Um, but I had an, uh, an uncle, um, my uncle Harold Preston, uh, her oldest sister's husband, a brother-in-law, who said to her at one point, Patty, be his mom. Don't try to be his mom and his dad. You can't be both. Don't try to be both. Just be his his mom, which she was. Uh, the role that she played in my life as a single parent and as a latchkey kid was um, enormous. Um, she instilled discipline, and I don't mean discipline from a corporal punishment standpoint. Although she was, um, she could be swift with that if necessary. <laughs> that certainly was more acceptable back in the day. But um, she instilled a tremendous amount of, of, of discipline, self-discipline. And making me accountable and responsible mm -hmm. in the role of a latchkey kid. Wow. Um, she trusted me at a very young age to do the things that, but in the meantime, she has to impart those principles of right and wrong, um, to be careful, to be guarded, not to readily trust. Um, even back in that period of time when neighbors looked after their neighbors' sons and daughters, she loved sports, um, loved politics. Um, ah, that's where you yeah. get it from. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, two quick funny stories about it. In the 1960 election, um, growing up in Queens in a more urban area, and you, your parents would be familiar with this, stickball was a very popular sport. Oh, my dad played it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, we used to use the manhole covers as sort of home base, and then we'd make the other bases uh, up the street but anyway, um, so it's the 1960 election and uh, I'm a product of parochial education she was a devout Catholic 
uh, I'd say very traditional, probably conservative Catholic growing up and even as a young parent. And, um, and so, and I had the nuns. And so in school, all the nuns were for Jack Kennedy. And, uh, and I just made an assumption, a gross assumption that mom would naturally as a Roman Catholic and very much involved in politics. Um, uh, she would work the polls uh, every now and again. She would just simply vote for Jack Kennedy. Well, we're out playing stickball and around the corner is the car and she's driving the car and she turns the corner, comes up the street and I slow her down. I happen to be batting. So I'm at the manhole cover a, a few houses down from our my grandparents' house. And I stopped her and I said, so you voted for Jack Kennedy? And she just nodded. Oh. <laughs> well, I come to realize I'm a young adult, I think, when I found out she voted for Richard Nixon. Nixon. Oh. And I, I, I swore that I would never forgive her, which ultimately we reconciled. But uh -huh. um, and then the other was uh, a, a situation where back in 1964, the Beatles first appeared here in the United States and appeared on the Ed Sullivan show. And of course, they came back in that period of time. The hair was long. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Radical, and they smoked. And John Lennon said some things about Jesus Christ, and oh, just. And I'm sure the Long Island Catholic was just denouncing <laughs> Beatles. So um, I had a birthday coming, and my my mom always made a point to ask me what I would like for my birthday. And I think her greatest fear was that for my birthday. I would take the wrong path and ask for a Beatles wig. Oh. <laughs> so it came, to, push came to shove, and she said to me one day, All right, now I really would like you to get the gift that you would like to have for your birthday. So, what is it that I, and I know, I can, I can see her face right now in the kitchen asking me this question. And I said, I, I would like the 1964 65. Uh, Tops baseball card series. Oh, okay. And I could see this. Oh, she was elated. <laughs> the Beatles were not. This is. I love the Beatles music, but I was not. I was not asking for a wig. So she she was that kind of person too, who was very caring, sensitive, and uh, and and, but always wanted to in her own way, steer me in the right direction. And I've often said that for her sports, while she loved them and grew up in a family that loved sports, um, boxing, baseball, and football in particular, um, she always felt that I needed to be involved in sports to be around other males, older men, to sort of feel the void. Because my grandfather, her dad was, was older. Um, and my uncles lived in various parts of New York, so we weren't um, and as teachers, we had nuns, and so oh, yeah. there wasn't a real male presence. So she, but th those are two very funny stories of, of, about her. I, 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 I want to interject really quickly because I think it's really important because as you speak of her and you honor her, there's something to be said about leaving a legacy, her legacy, what she left for you. And I know that that is a kind of part two of our our conversation in addition to the theme to, for today is if you don't have time, if you don't make time for your dreams, then who will? So as far as the legacy portion of it goes, you know, it sounds to me like even facing incredible challenges and loss, my God, at such a young age, she was able 
to persevere in in the way she could do that because i mean i you know we all we all have experienced loss at, at perhaps in our 40s 50s and 60s but at our 20s and at the time you know a baby not only and then our two two spouses two significant others it, what a what a fortitude she must have had to shift and persevere in the direction of like a never give up so as we go back to the whole con the context around the legacy that sh that most impacted you on your life's journey what can you say is the thing that your mother truly left to you and also to your family there are several things she uh, possessed um and influenced me and certainly my my two younger siblings now uh because that's sort of the the next a phase in her life that she richly deserved and was rewarded was to be able to get remarried and and then provide um me with two incredibly loving and, and wonderful sisters um he, here's one of the one of the key things that, that I would say, and I don't necessarily know how to use one word to define or describe this, but there was never a time, when, particularly when I was young, um, pre-teen years, there was never a time when I never felt cheated or shortchanged in in my upbringing. Um, I, we were not a nuclear family because we were missing a dad and, and certainly on various occasions there were things that I probably did without that other kids were not, they, they had or possessed, but never, not, I mean, there wasn't a day that I felt shortchanged or that I was doing without or had to sacrifice. She never made me feel anything other than rich. Wow, that's beautiful. Never. And so, you know, it's that, mm. of course, at the time, I, I had no idea what I'm doing with or without or you just, but she said sort of that tone and tenor of strength mm. and, um, and, and, and it's her character that um, has influenced me and our family, her integrity, humility. I mean, you, you didn't, when you were around Pat Spatola or Herbert, you, you did not, this braggadocio stuff, you just, no, 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 no. Um, so you want to know how the team did, not how you necessarily did at bat. She didn't know necessarily how many points you scored, but how did your team do? Um, her humility really set her apart. Uh, she had an, an incredible sense of humor um, and not that she was a, a joke teller because she was not that, but it was her ability to not take herself too seriously. Mm -hmm. um, she, yet she possessed this confident, self-deprecating spirit um, that immediately uh, would, would win you over. Um, and, and as she grew older, um, that sense of humor came through that much more, um, where she could just sort of lighten the room with laughing at herself. And she would make herself the butt of the joke if, if need be to, to, to make everybody else feel welcome and warm. And, 
Um, and, and then I'd say another thing that she taught, which would be part of her legacy, is her adaptability. My goodness. Um, Absolutely right. Yeah. She changed, she changed over time. She she evolved um, to where she lightened up. Um, the, the 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 noose was was not as tight as it used to be. I, I tease my sisters. Is you know you, I know mom when you have no idea. Um, uh, certainly, John Herbert, my my stepdad, um, toned it, had her tone it down because he was. Um, uh, they they were different in a lot of ways. Com- common values, common principles, but but very very different. She, whereas she could be a little hard headed and stubborn and obstinate even at times. But is she that passed, is that passed on through the generation. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. They always say the apple doesn't fall that far. Yeah, but he, here's the other thing that, that I've often thought about, Meg, is and and I'm you know I'm not uh, I'm not smart enough to talk about genetics and whatnot. But it, it does possibly go to um, environment and the atmosphere or the environment in which you grow. Um, in order, like th- there were times through the years when I would re- resent my mom, probably later in, in life as I, in my latter years as a teen and then into my twenties and as I grew older, uh, because I found myself relying oftentimes on my dad's sister, younger sister and older brother for information about him and and even cousins. And, and so I, I, I would grow, um, I, I can't say angry necessarily because I, I would not get angry at my mom, but disappointed that she didn't share a lot more mm-hmm. about what traits, I, what characteristic mannerisms I may have had that genetically were passed by my dad. Yeah. And, um, and so possibly, because I, I think most would say, who knew my mom would say, you very much like your mom. And so it, it raises that question, how much is passed through the genes or how much is your development uh, based on those you are around uh, and who are teaching you their values, principles, and their likes and dislikes and so on and so forth. So um, it's not that she kept me in the dark, but she was guarded and protecting me um, from uh, living a childhood with regret. Uh, she did not want me to feel regret. She had enough regret for both of us, mm-hmm. and uh, and just did not want that to, um, in, ha- in fact, happen. So on, um, on this point, I wanted to I want to segue because I think it's this kind of purpose of you're saying adaptability evolved, changed over time, and and literally when we were on last year at the end of the show, you left us on January 6, twenty twenty with this final inspiration i encourage you to seize the day not only seize it but seize it with gusto now who knew that we were not only going to seize the day but a whole other situation that nobody truly understood that shut down our country that caused a lot of people to go into fear a lot of people being upended with their livelihood Um, people got sick so much happened and yet and yet at at the core you know we have this 
new notion against this contrast in 2020 of how precious life is. And I think that, you know, with your, with your beautiful mother's picture on here, we can look to this quote that you've indicated as well. And the reality is, is that we walk slowly, breathe deeply and cherish the moments now. And I think that that is something that, you know, plays into the quote. Most people are so busy knocking themselves out, trying to do everything they think they should. They never get around to doing what they want to do. And that's Kathleen Windsor, the American author. And that's the quote for today. So, you know, the lessons learned, um, I'm curious, what are some of the big lessons that you've learned from that great pause, you know, that we all just came out of and, and, you know, we're trying to figure out what the new forward moving forward looks like. Well, you, you, you know, you're, you're so right. Um, I, in a way, um, re retirement has, while there are sides of it that I don't I'm not comfortable with because I, I want to be active and involved, but what it's enabled me to do is really reflect on, on some of these things such as walk slowly. Yeah. Think deeply and, and really cherish moments mm. that for 41 years, I'm probably guilty of, of, I don't want to say consciously ignoring, but neglecting. Um, for example, I would oftentimes worry, if not worry, wonder if I was paying enough attention to my own four children as I was to everybody else's children. Yeah. Um, and uh, thankfully I was able to teach them and coach them as well. Um, and we, we did a lot of things together during school. Either I taught or coached them or they were going to the same school. But in any event, um, you know, a lot of things are being tested here. Um, or patience, or tolerance, mm. gratitude, or ability to adapt, empathy, um, maintaining a religious and spiritual faith, uh, trusting each other. Um, I think that's and, and our institutions. It's it it's it's a very trying time that I have no doubt will survive. Um, it's going to require probably us to adapt to a new normal, whatever that might in fact be. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we're at a point in history, um, I'm not necessarily Hegelian or Marxist in terms of the dialectic in the classes, but maybe there's some truth to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in any event, I, I just think that um, in, in, our, in our own way, in our own individual familiar worlds and then collectively as a state or as a nation we're, we're being tested and challenged here and it, it's how we sort of come out of this that um, so I, I I have more time to think about those types of things um, I worry about getting headaches thinking too much about them but <laughs> um, you know it, it I have the ability to sort of talk about pause to pause and to think a little bit more deliberatively about 
what's going on. That that that, that is a, can be problematic, but it's also wonderful opportunities to just think about those things that for you know, 41 years plus you, you don't have really opportunities to to think too much about. Um, but in any event, I I I, I think. I think we are strong enough and I think supportive of one another that we come out of sort of this this pandemic blip um, and uh, and we'll be stronger as a result of it. I, I just I, I just really believe that. Um, there are periods in history where we where people have had to grapple with these challenges. Yeah. First, we're not going to be the last. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, hoping that it's the last in my lifetime. <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, Mike, my dad was saying over and over again, you know, now that I'm, and he's, you know, and he's in his late seventies now. He's like, why now? <laughs> why now? Yeah. Why now? Why? You know, and I, and I, I get this and I, and I definitely, you know, I'm going to bring your mother back on afterwards, but I wanted to say that it, it, it brings to mind this quote from one of your faves, I know, John Wooden, and, and, and Berta's actually, Berta Medina is on here saying that adaptability, flexibility, and perspective adjustments among so many lessons over the year. But I think ultimately your dreams become more forefront because you can't put off the, you can't put off that for tomorrow because tomorrow isn't right. guaranteed. And, you know, you know, as you've come to know me, I am a huge dreamer visual. I think that it's that sustenance that gives you life, you know, having that beautiful enthusiasm toward the future so that you can hold on to something and bring something beautiful into this world. And, and I, and I watch, you know, I've had the wonderful pleasure to be taught by you still, even in the world of social media. And at the same time, engage in the conversation which i think is beautiful as a teacher to have that opportunity to for to do for others and 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 they join in and you're very much uh a open classroom to opinions and ideas and and that truly makes not even a good teacher it makes a good person because the curiosity and the openness combined but tell me a little bit about your fascination for john wooden wooden and you know and, and and why this particular quote speaks to you because i think this is really something that people can anchor themselves on this year as we start 2021 i think that you know dreaming dreaming again you know even as we come out of this pandemic what does that sound like to you well i yeah i i i, I love the quote um i, I had a wonderful opportunity actually when I was um, teaching and coaching at Trinity Prep in Winter Park to attend a basketball clinic that was held oh I can't remember where exactly it was held but it was fairly close to the uh, uh, Orlando International Airport and uh, and the keynote speaker actually probably not the keynote speaker because that would be the first speaker right or one of the first um, John Wooden was um, at that point in time uh, a highly, highly successful and respectable coach at UCLA, <laughs> um, and so he was the key speaker at the clinic. The clinic would run Friday evening, Saturday, all day Saturday, and then on Sunday to keep everybody present. You'd, you'd have a, a person, a coach, a personality, 
a guy like John Wooden come on the scene for the last day. Well, it turns out that um, he, he was just extraordinary. He he's as much as great a basketball coach as as he was. Uh, God rest his soul. He he was just a walking and talking Confucius and life <laughs> and. You know, he had he had his uh, detractors. Uh, a lot of people felt that he was a phony um, and putting on airs. But I don't know how you put on airs like that for so many years. And anyway, long story short, uh, I happened to be at this clinic, and um, in, in Orlando, it was close to the airport. And it turns out, and I don't know how this happened, but it turns out that John Wooden needed a ride to the Orlando International Airport. I love this. <laughs> so I was at I was at the clinic with uh, a good friend who still lives in uh, Orlando, Florida, and uh, and so his name is Mike Fred. So Mike Fred uh, says, <laughs> "Hey, let's take him." <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I. Meg, I'm telling you, it was it was it. Sort of like one of these life changing moments. Like I, like I cared deeply about John Wooden. I'm not too sure that Mike Fred necessarily cared all that much about John Wooden, but I did. So, uh, so John Wooden's. I'm in the back seat. Mike's driving, and John Wooden is sitting on the passenger side in the front seat. And um, I, I wanted time to stop. I wanted it on on uh, those moments. Cinnamon Boulevard. Cinnamon Boulevard. As we're approaching the airport, 4:36. It's 4:36. Yeah. I wanted every stoplight to turn red. Oh yeah. Walking with this incredible human being, um, because by then he was so well known. He's the keynote speaker at the or the the this celebrity at the clinic. He's the draw of the clinic. You want all, and he's in your car, and he's and in your car. He's in our car. Uh, so we get to the airport. He's obviously flying back to UCLA, California, and uh, so uh, I said to him, "Coach, what time is your flight?" And I think the clinic must have ended probably, I'll say, twelve noon. And and, uh, and so he says, so we get to the airport. It's probably around one o'clock. So I said, "Coach, what time is your flight?" And he said, "My flight isn't until around 4:35." So I said, "Hmm." Now my mind is like going about this. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yes. I said, "Coach," without even consulting with Mike Fred, the driver. Mike Fred. <laughs> uh, Coach, would you mind having some company while you wait for your flight? I love it. <laughs> he said, "No, I'd love it." Well, Mike really cares. So, Mike, if Mike, if Mike is watching this, he's going to go crazy. Yeah. So, Mike said, "All right, we'll we'll go in." And uh, of course, at that time, if you you could go in without a ticket, the, the security was was different world, completely different world. Great description. And so there, I Mike, I he likes sports and whatnot, and um, his brother John actually was my best man in my wedding. Um, and so, so Mike and I grew up in New York together, and his brother. So we were good friends. And uh, but he wasn't quite as interested in in coaching basketball or John Wooden necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're uh, 
there I am in this in in the terminal. I think he was flying out TWA. We're in the Orlando International Airport, TWA, and I have an opportunity that you die for. You you kill. What did for you do with it? What did you do with it? <laughs> did you ask him every we, question in your it, mind? I was sitting. I was sitting with next to close to you know within elbow room we're touching elbows for goodness sakes with socrates yeah with, Plato, <laughs> with aristotle of the coaching world yes. and uh, and so i have always uh and just just quickly with back to coach wooden so that was a phenomenal opportunity i think i was about four years in to teaching four or five years and when I first started teaching, um, and it was at Trinity Prep, um, I, I, I was never a long-term, like in 10 years, I'm going to be, like Jay St. John is a, he's a goal guy. So yeah. in 10 years, I'm going to be, in 20 years, this is where I'm going to be. And I wasn't like that. I was more day-to-day, year-to-year. But Jay sort of convinced me that, well, you gotta, you gotta look into your future and say, uh, you know, do you want a life at Trinity forever and ever, or do you want to? So I said, all right, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll make it like every five years. I'll reassess and see where I am. And so around year four, I really, I don't know, for some reason, I just started to second guess my decision to teach and maybe I should go into private, go to law school, whatever. At that point, I have a wife, we have two kids, and here I am thinking about making a career move. Oh, Pam's not listening. <laughs> so, um, so I wrote this letter. Oh yeah, she's listening, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> I wrote this letter. I wrote this. I wrote a letter, a, a very heartfelt letter, back in the day as a snail mail, and I wrote this letter to Coach Wood. And um, this, incidentally, the letter predated my spending time with him at the wow. clinic and the Orlando International Airport. Um, who who would have thought, right? So I wrote it. Totally believe in manifesting the things in your life. So I definitely say that there's a little magic in there. And the fact of the matter is, you wrote to the inner universe that you wanted to have a success. You got delivered. So it's just it's just unbelievable. So he 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 was a classic letter writer himself. I love and it. He, he wrote a three or four page letter back to me. And encouraged me. Oh, I love it. Where I'm coming from. Encouraged me to stay in teaching. That you know, teachers are not a dime a dozen, and they're needed. And and um, wow, keep striving and set goals. And it was just unbelievable. And we had an opportunity to talk about that at the airport. <laughs> I mean, I've got like this long. You know, it's so funny, Mike. I think in the real world, people think that those are just mere coincidences, but I clearly am one of those people that am a true believer that is more synchronistic than you only know. And I, that's why I was saying, like, I love that you said Jay St. John said that he was goal-oriented, but, you know, I think that, you know, we have, it's funny, dreams, you know, goals are dreams with deadlines. So basically, when we set our goals, we're actually putting our dreams into some concrete form and we put a deadline to it so they're more likely to 
come true and come to fruition sooner than later. So it's like the mere fact of the matter is that you had a conversation about a letter that you wrote to your one of your idols, your Socrates, your Plato. I mean, my God. And he had the opportunity to sit down and at that point in time, you said that you were still in school, you're still teaching, you're still, that was your passion. And 40 years later, that's still what you did. I mean, I see, you know, like, let's go back to the fact, the mere fact that you are a coach, you are a coach and you, from all these years of teaching and coaching, you are this quote. And I read it and I'm like, I have to put it in there. A good coach, a good coach will make his players see what they could become rather than what they are. And clearly, clearly that kind of role in someone else's life can be the view into the possibilities that someone may never have thought existed until you shone a light on it. So, you know, when we're talking about dreamers, you know, you know, you know, if you don't make time for your dreams, who will? Well, then you also have to take into consideration the teachers who see, you know, those people and, 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 and that being John Wooden for you, yes. he, he was your teacher. He yes. was your teacher. And in that role, he allowed you that space to have a one man audience with Mike Fred. Of course, he was there. He was the driver. So we know that you stuck in the airport and Pam would have to pick you up. But the bottom line is that these are the things that make a life. These are the things that, that set a legacy in motion. And and you know, I, I know, and I know I, I don't want to even speak to any of the relationships you have, but I know there are a plethora of students out there that will mention your name, will mention your name and how you impacted them. Now, now standing where you are now, after a year we've had now with the beautiful family, knowing that your mother's guidance, you know, from the time you were nine months, you know, walking you through 15 years as a single parent, you know, disciplining you to the point where, you know, someone else had to come in and loosen the noose so you can read a little bit, literally. But this is what's made your life. This is your story. Now we stand on the precipice of another year. Where are you? <laughs> See, this is a great part because I get to ask you the questions like you did when we were sweating it out in your 20th yeah, century. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, yeah. I remember, please God, don't pick on me. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. But yeah, the tables, they have turned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, I'm no close to the writing of a book that I was a year ago. Um, <laughs> it's actually a book in your mind, you know, I, if you wouldn't have said that if you didn't intend that. So I'm going to hold you to that. So the book is coming out. Yes. And, <laughs> and well, the, the, the search is still on. <laughs> I, I think I've, I've, uh, decided that I would not, I think one of the things we may have talked about a year ago was possibly a political career right. office. I, while I still love government and, and to an extent, I love, I love the study of, of government. I'm not too sure that I am infatuated with politics, um, particularly the way politics are. Mm -hmm. 
the, the, the way we engage in politics today. Um, and it would be like spitting against the wind, actually, for one person to think, you know, I'd be like Don Quixote for crying out loud, you know, <laughs> shooting at windmills. I, um, unless I could rally a point. So I, I really put that aside. Um, okay, so I have to point this out as you're, as you're telling me, this is a quote that you gave me. Some men see the world as it is and say, why? I see the world as it could be and say, why not? Why did you share this with me then? Well, I, I think there are, I do believe that. And I, I think that Robert Kennedy is one of my heroes growing up. Um, and actually hero for many conservatives too I've, I've met. Um, I, I, I believe that, but I don't know whether that's the avenue to go. Um, and so at my ripe old age, <laughs> I'm still sort of grappling with the direction to go and, and how to make the world or society or the community a better place. Um, and so I, I'm still grappling with that, to be quite honest with you. Um, I mean, I, 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 I see it a certain way and would challenge people, well, why not? Like, when I read from The Magical Guy, which is almost like daily uh, devotionals in, in a lot of ways, or I read, I'm drawn to uh, inspirational works, whether it be in the coaching field or, or the political arena or just philosophy in general. Um, self-help books um it, it's it's almost like i'm still trying to find what that path would be um and of course the pandemic has really sort of put a time out on that for someone in my age bracket because i have been i've tried to be very very careful over the last year that's no excuse no rationale but what it's done is it's probably Put me on Facebook a little bit more than some would like to see my voice or read my voice, um, or in other ways, communicating how I how I feel. It and as you noted earlier, it, it sometimes it, this might have been before we we went on air. <laughs> um, it, it's very difficult. You, you have to tread lightly um, with what you say into whom you say it. Yeah. Um, and now, this is a long-winded, uh, incoherent way of saying, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure the direction that I'm going to go in the next stage or step. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't, I'm sensitive to the point where I, I don't want to lose valued friendships or relationships mm -hmm. overtaking strong closed-minded stands on some things now some are going to be critical of me and say well you're not you're truly not standing on your principles or whatnot but i i like to find something where or do something that would better the family the community uh, society at large 
without offending anybody. And I don't, that probably sounds weird because along the way you have to, I was never, when I was younger, I was never afraid of, of offending someone. I'm a little bit more sensitive to that now, probably a little bit more thoughtful about what I say and what I do. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm not ducking what I want to do next. I'm still in the, in the process of grappling with what's the best thing to do and how to do it. So in light of what you're saying, then I just want to, I want to point this out because I think this is going to actually kind of guide the conversation because I, I know that you're an extraordinary man. I think that literally your life's work, at least part two, part three, I don't know what part you're on, because let me tell you, as a coach, you're one part as, you know, as a father, you're another part, but, but this is what makes a life, what makes your story come to life, right? And I think that no one is, no one, no one will know your path, but you and how you find it, how it finds you, um, comes from, you know, all sorts of experiences. Mind you, being on Facebook a little bit more, you know, you are opening yourself to a new audience and, and bottom line, becoming introspective in a way that will help and make a difference to other people. And I pulled this James Joyce quote off, I, you know, who is in the poster behind you? Who is in the picture frame behind you, behind your uh, head? Celtics. This frame? Yes. yes. Ulysses S. Grant. Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. I was always wondered, I was like, who is behind you? Yes. And yes. that is um, Dave Cowan's jersey. There you go. Oh, yeah. Dave Cowan's is Chris and JP when they were at Trent, when we were at Trinity. To their left, that is Willie Mays when he played with the New York Giants. Awesome. Below that, I'm a shareholder with the Green Bay Packers. And so my oh daughter my and son-in-law. <laughs> sent this picture that says Packers welcome Mike Spatola, awesome. <laughs> which I when I first got it was actually a welcome from the Green Bay Packers. Oh <laughs> of course God. it's not. They they paid to have that written in. That's and, awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, uh so you Well you, I put it, I put it out because I think you're surrounded by your loves, your historical, <laughs> you know fervor for for information from the greats of history and the greats from sports and i even i even humored you by putting on clearly your your love of dunkin donuts and your notre dame hat i i would definitely say that was me being humorous to you but but the bottom line is that these are the things that bring you passion in life right and you've lived aired fall triumph you recreate life out of life so with all of this beauty of your story and what is to come next, the point of the matter that I'm trying to impress upon this <laughs> is that you haven't stopped drinking. And most certainly from your Facebook post, you can tell that your grandchildren see you as a dreamer too. Clearly the legacy continues of guidance from your mother and Bottom lining it, that comes from the beauty that you said was your mother at the outset. At the heart of character is honesty and integrity. And that's what you said was your, so the heart of your dreams starts there. So I would love to know at this point, um, 
what was your intention for tonight? Well, my my intention, as we had briefly shared uh, before we went on air, was um, that in some way that our conversation would awaken in others um, an energy, an, an intrinsic enthusiasm, a passion for something. Um, uh, life is too short. We confront a lot of these challenges and um, and for some it's harder than for others and I've been blessed it hasn't been hard at all. Um, mom would never have wanted that to ever be an excuse for her and for me. Mm. She was a model of that. Um, and Robert Frost said, and I quote, I am not a teacher, but an awakener. I love this. So um, I, I, I want mm. our conversation or wanted our conversation in terms of being sort of an inspiration to, for everyone to be an awakener in whatever it is that they do. Um, you, don't, you don't have to be a teacher. Um, he wasn't a teacher, but what he, what, what he did or tried to do or endeavored to do with his many talents and gifts was to sort of knock on the door and then have that door open. And once that door is cracked and you can put a foot through and you're willing to take some risks and you're so I it, love that. For me, it it the inspiration in Frost's statement is that I always saw myself as a teacher. Um well, that's what I was, and I was hired to be a teacher. But the through the years, over 41 years, I thought, there, there's got to be more to this, being a teacher. And then the just incredible feedback that I would get from families, parents, your mom, your dad, your sisters, um, you, and others through the years, I kept thinking, there's got to be more to this. And then I thought about John Wooden, and I thought about my high school coach, Greg Walsh. And they're more than just teachers and coaches. They're awakeners. Awakeners. They, they, call you, they call your attention to things that you, maybe you never knew existed or the potential that, that you possess. And so I would always want our conversations that are broadcast to be conversations where we're encouraging people or I'm encouraging someone or groups to be awakeners. Mm go about their daily lives with a great deal of energy, enthusiasm, passion. Yeah. Um, and by their model, their actions, they inspire people to inspire themselves. They're awakened to, to all the possibilities that exist out there. Um, that oftentimes we, we, we in our day-to-day -day affairs and our tunnel vision, and see, I, I have the benefit, and I readily admit this, I have the benefit of being retired. And so I can do a lot more thinking. I can slow the pace down, think a lot more about me, but also about the world around me. And 
And so whatever that avenue then in the future is where I can call people's attention to the possibilities that exist, like, like you do, the possibilities to dream, to never lose your imagination for mm -hmm. the possibilities and prospects. So I, th that, th that's my inspirational word. It's, it's, I, I, I love Robert Frost anyway, um, but yeah, I'm not a teacher, but an awakener. <laughs> no. I do wanna. I do wanna also once again give you a shout out to your to one of your men here, Vince Lombardi. <laughs> he says, "I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, his greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause, and <laughs> on the field of battle, victorious." So the awakener engages the students to show up and give it your all with a passion. This is what I, how I interpret this quote, even if it's Vince Lombardi, but he's a great inspirational person. And uh, I wanna turn and ask you, what number did you pick in the magical guide now? You, you, you may have stolen some of my thunder there. Oh. But no, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so it had to happen, but you yeah, know. absolutely. We've got that, right? Yes, we definitely <laughs> do. We definitely do. Well, class, if you will open up your text, everybody <laughs> should in fact have a, a copy of the Magical Guide to Bliss. I love it. It, is like <laughs> it is fantastic. Well, this, is, this is quite a surreal moment because literally, <laughs> yeah, I just had a flashback. I don't know. <laughs> Like a train from 1981 or 82, I don't remember. Well, I, think, I think I think it was you who said to me last time, you you, you can never stop being a teacher. So no, never. Uh, never. All right. So page 273. Live life to the fullest. Mm. I chose James Joyce, the great Irish novelist and poet. And to quote James Joyce, which you posted earlier, to live, to err, to fall, to triumph, to recreate life out of life. Love it. Um, now, I, I want you to know um, a couple of things, actually. Uh, or maybe it's just one thing. Uh, when I delivered the eulogy for my mom at St. Augustine in, uh, is it Winter Springs? Uh, or the Orlando area. Um, I led off the eulogy with that quote. And the reason that I did is because I thought that uh, it spoke to her life mm. uh, quite nicely. Uh, of course, it, it, it's... Joyce may have, in his stream of consciousness, jo Joyce is one of the most frustrating authors. He's one of my favorites. Frustrating. <laughs> the most frustrating authors uh, I have ever read. As a matter of fact, I've, I've started Ulysses, I can't tell you how many times in my life. <laughs> Damn. Uh, of course, this quote comes from a portrait of the artist as a young man. A little bit easier to do. But his stream of consciousness sometimes is, is problematic for many. So it, it leaves a quote such as that. I think a lot of room for interpretation. Mm -hmm. And when I read it, and, and it's earmarked, like uh, there's a bookmark there. Um, 
in the magical guide for that section and that particular quote by Joyce, because I think it speaks to not only her, mm. but to many of us. Um, we live, we make errors, we fall, but then, then we, we, we you know, tighten the laces, uh, pull up our boots, and we, and we get after it again and we triumph. And, and then over time we evolve and we change. And I think about my mom and her adaptability and then how I've had to change in my life um, and who has influenced me to make those positive constructive changes. And, and so we're sort of recreating ourselves in a way. And that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a very productive, inspiring, and, and, and good thing. And, um, and I, I just love, too, if I may, um, to, to read the additional part of his quote, um, which went on to say, because he continues, uh, a wild angel appeared to him, the angel of mortal youth and beauty and envy from the fair courts of life to throw open before him in an instant of ecstasy, the gates of all the ways of error and glory. On and on and on and on. I just, I just love that quote. And Meg, what you've included here in that, in that section, um, live life to the fullest, quoting Joyce, um, if, if I may quickly read some sections, I think this is absolutely wonderful. There are those stories of triumph over tribulation that are known to inspire the masses. There are those events in which the power of the human spirit to rise above challenges is showcased as moving both present and future generations forward. Yeah. And as we study human existence over time, we discover the secret to keeping hope through it all. Life is truly a gift begging to be appreciated that God gives us every day we open our eyes. Every day we have a chance to fulfill whatever our dreams, our goals, our destiny have to be. He goes, you, you go on to state there using um, Joyce as the backdrop, as long as we do our best, as long as we do our best in the endeavor of living, even if we fall or err, we will persevere when we set our minds to do it, even triumphing as our own spirit soars in any given moment. If that isn't apropos for now, oh my God, it's I don't so know what is? Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's just so we're, we're going to come through this, and yeah. we're going to be stronger and better. Our institutions, hopefully, will be better because of it. We, as individuals, society, collectively. Um, I, I just, I, I just believe that I absolutely do. And I also believe that you and I both have, and I put my angel under you and your angel, <laughs> under me. but I think that in many respects, ah, in many respects, um, we're guided by the legacy that they left for us. Um, when you just said we move forward, you know, triumphing over tribulation as a community, as a group of people, as a world people. This is not just in our own backyard. This is world on a world level from something that really stopped us all to pause and really truly think of how we want to show up in our lives on the daily. You know, even if we fail air, we still pick ourselves back yeah. up again 
pick someone else back up again, which is what you've done over the last year is maintain that beautiful light that others can follow and inspired many when those perhaps thought there was nothing to live for and, and or to be inspired by. And I think that we rely too wholeheartedly on those we hold up as our leaders rather than looking around to those teachers who are in fact our awakeners. And you and I were very blessed with two very beautiful, strong women to guide our way so that we can turn around and guide others as well, regardless of how we show up or how we label ourselves, because it doesn't matter. It's the person, it's the character, it's the integrity, it's the humility, it's the, the perseverance, it's the drive, the dreamer in us that, you know, ultimately will be that light for others and for ourselves. So this has been just, I just got goosebumps when you read the, the rest of Joyce, because yes, I mean, the, the, the youth, right? I mean, we, in our youth are so, you know, aspirational, and then we get tarnished by life. But yet, at the same time, it comes around to on and on, we go on and on every time we wake up every day. So thank you for that. Um, oh. I, I just, I was like, oh my, I just kept thinking of Mr. Kinney. <laughs> like you're actually quoting Joyce. I love this. Oh my God. And I had no idea back then that the beauty of the words and I've come time. So, you know, wisdom is beautiful. Wisdom yeah. of the time is beautiful. And, and that comes from life experience too. So I, I do want to ask you um, for one final bit of inspiration. I know that it's been 70 minutes of wonderful conversation now and you always elevate me when I talk to you and there's so much more we could talk about and go on and on and on but you know um, we have to wrap it up and at that point I want to give you the final word so well I, I, I again be an awakener um, keep your eyes and ears open stay grounded um, don't ever concede on the principles. Mm. Uh, do what's right. Be strong. Uh, I I do feel, as the uh, as Greek philosophers are uh, credited with saying or believing, character is destiny. Mm. And so, um, when all else fails, we literally and figuratively look ourselves in the mirror, and we have to answer the the question: What did you do? Mm. Uh, at those critical points in time, um, what did you do to make your life, your community, your family, so on and so forth better? Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage everyone to be teachers, but more importantly, be awakeners and, uh, and, and believe in yourself, um, and believe in us and our institutions. Um, we're being tested in a lot of ways. Uh, but it's like that dialectic. Uh, and, and so right now we're in the midst of the clash and from that clash, hopefully we'll develop uh, something that's uniquely better. Well, you know, they say because of the big bang, we have something really beautiful that unfolded. So, you know, sometimes you need that, the, 
the contracting to expand sure. once again. So, you know, I, and I know that you can be found on Facebook. So everybody who wants to engage in this kind of conversation with another awakener, <laughs> find Mike on Facebook and bring some Joyce along with you and engage the conversation and certainly sports. He is a huge advocate of the sporting world. And literally, I'm not a huge fan, but I have been following him so I can bring the conversation to the dinner <laughs> table now. So I'm trying to say I'm still learning from you. So thank no. you. Um, and, I, and I'm and the teacher in me, teachers know they are continuous learners. And so I continuously learn from I can't tell countless students and you happen to be right up there meg nasra you're right up there with them uh really inspiring motivating and, and teaching and you're an awakener an awakener you know <laughs> i always said that i was a seeker but now i'm also an awakener you so are an awakener in the seeking you make some waves and you wake people up there you go right there you go so with that, you know, thank you so much once again. Happy New Year. Happy 2021. Thank you for your time tonight, Mike. This You're is welcome. amazing. You are amazing. I was lucky that you were a teacher in the classroom in Trinity Prep that would start a conversation that lasted many, many years. <laughs> um, you know, I, I want you all to remember that you are deliberate creators of your life. You are all of you awakeners. So I'm going to add that to my repertoire. Dream big and never, ever let anyone get in the way of your dreams because and a letter writing campaign could someday have you sitting for hours, captive audience in a an airport and or a dream come true. The, the mentor that you've always imagined. You're John Wooden. And with that, I want you to go out there and you be the triumph over tribulation as you lift up the positive vibration in this world. We all have to come together and do our best to awaken and to reach out to all corners and continue to spread love. Time to manifest our dreams. Blessings and bliss. Happy 2021. We got this. Let's do this. Thank you so much, Mike. And I'll see you next month. All yeah. right. Well, thank you. Be well. Bye. Love your family. Okay. Thank I will. You. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. You're welcome.